Hey, Roman, how are you? Um, I'm okay. Yeah? Yeah. I'm sure happy to see you. And Django uh-huh. as well. <laughs> I'm right here. I'm happy to see I'm you, here for Django. You. you know, I just don't need to work <clears throat> to bring you into a conversation with me. We're just naturally, <laughs> we have a natural repartee. Hey, Roman. <clears throat> I miss your earth, our earthy aroma. Cedar and beef. Oh, man. Why cedar and beef? I don't know. That's what Drea said I smell like. Oh, right. Okay, yeah, yeah. And the cedar makes sense because that's what my soap is, but but I don't eat a lot of beef, so I don't know. And maybe it was, um, well, since we won't go into that conversation right now, since this goes out to the world. Oh, right. Welcome to a perfectly acceptable cod- cockcast. <laughs> Welcome to our cockcast. Welcome. Cut- well, I got I got confused because I was like, wait, is it Comics Place Presents a perfect? Hey, everybody! Welcome to the Comics Place Presents a perfectly acceptable podcast episode two hundred and seventy. Still nice. nice. Uh, it's a comics podcast. One nicer. Do, yeah, one nicer. In fact, that we do out of our comic shop in Bellingham, Washington. Uh, you know, it's a comic shop run by a bunch of buddies who love each other, and this is a podcast that we do where we uh in pick a comic eat a comic rate a comic and it's the per system and uh after we take all those comics into ourselves we engage in a variety of tangents either related to or unrelated to the comic shop that we work at the books that we read or the comings and goings of our lives i'm jeff i'm roman that was awesome dude roman proactively was going to be the second one to talk when has that ever happened on this podcast i loved that roman Uh I'm their third. I'm their third. I'm Django. (laughs) Oh, I just like, you know, Roman's a very patient, wait to speak kind of guy universally, you know, like so much to the point where sometimes you have to be like, Roman, please tell me your thoughts because he's so like polite about making sure everyone is heard. So I loved that moment right there. He's trying to move this motherfucker along. Yeah. Yeah. He's just welcome back, Django. Yeah. Hey, Roman. I love it. Hey, um, welcome back, Django. Thanks, buddy. Where you been? Bud. What? You were gone for like just shy of a month. I was gone for just shy of a month, like one day shy of a month. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good though. Listen, I went to New Orleans. I drove to New Orleans. I stopped have, in Tombstone. Audio recording way. of you getting COVID on our podcast. Yep. <laughs> we have it's an, very possible. We have an audio recording of you clearly in an indoor festival, dr- drunk and no mask. So yep. we caught you, butthole. Yep. Oh, but wait casting a throne in a glass house jeffrey also COVID. yeah uh, i just wish that we had that on tape because uh, i heard it was a an orgy of fun yeah i ate <laughs> i ate i shared sean's french fries <laughs> i shared a bowl that can't of food be what did it you don't think so if if he tested positive for the first time the same let's not day go through you... the math right yeah. now i also <laughs> spent all, all day tuesday with him and then yeah. tested on friday i mean it it when it really comes down to it, who knows where we got it? Yeah. Who knows who we gave it to? Um, I just feel lucky that I caught, I, I tested positive the day before I left New Orleans, which meant I could stay in my brother's back room and totally isolate there. It meant, and, and because I what, drove and what Mike Watney didn't show up. What like, you're really thankful for, Django, is that 
I got COVID at a time that you could not be blamed for. It it took it took a lot for me to arrange that from where I was. Nope, Django, <laughs> I did the math. I believe that this can't be traced back to you. And we all worked hard to try and see if it could be. All right. I'm just glad that you got it pretty bad. Pretty bad, right? Like, I mean. I'm seven days in now and I'm feeling fit as a fiddle. I mean, I'm seven days in and I'm just about done with it. You but had like, two weeks, right? I, I did. I, I isolated for 10 days. Yeah. Um, but I'm just saying like, if I had got it and stayed away for an extra 10 days and then was still just not feeling up to driving fast to get home, like, and then you got it and you were done with it in, in like 25 minutes and you just had a little <laughs> bit of diarrhea, I'd be like, man, this sucks. Now everybody, now Jeff thinks I'm a liar. <laughs> uh, I mean, I got, I did. I got, it was real bad. I got it bad, but yeah, it was, you know, I could have started driving home from new Orleans like three days ago for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, one of the, one of the advantages to driving a little bit slower is I got to stop in the garden of Eden and see a dead body, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is pretty mm-hmm. exciting. I think everybody should Google the garden of Eden in Lucas, Kansas. Uh, you can, you can actually see the mummified remains of the man who did all these amazing concrete sculptures. Um, and he's the only person who fought in the civil war, whose son fought in Vietnam because he had kids with a 20 year old housekeeper when he was 81. Wow. And so he just has this huge span of father son reign. But if that's not statutory rape, I don't know what is. I don't know. It was a different time. Yeah, you're right. 81 or whatever. 1892. Yeah. Yeah. You can butter this one into into ambiguity because we can't make any claims about it. They can't even spell statutory back then. You couldn't do it. And Roman, um, still COVIDless. Still COVIDless. God, it's good. To I'm, be I'm, I'm going. I'm, I'm trying to go the distance, dude. You will go the distance. You will go the distance. I hope. I'm proud of you. Now, now it's a point of pride. I'm like, God damn it, I'm not going to get it. <laughs> you know, one. Oh. I, I don't want to. I don't want to derail. But one other oh, good. cool thing that I got to do was see my granddaughter while I was down there. There's um, some cute photos I have of that. Yeah, that's that's a weird thing. Um, so I'm gonna need like if anybody's got a cane, I can borrow. Maybe <laughs> like a. Uh, like a uh, old timey hat. Oh, an old timey hat really would be start good. leaning into this grandpa thing. I love it. I love it. I, I think a cane would be really good. Hey, on the topic of leaning, I've got an email here from our good friend, William, William Elmer. Well, 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 William, William Elmer, 270. Hello, my friends, and happy episode 270. You may have noticed the question mark after the word happy. I didn't pronunciate that correctly. Jeffrey says, uh, I'm going to do it again for the beginning. Hello, my friends, and happy episode 270. You may have noticed the question mark after the word happy. I have to admit, like many others, I have been grappling with sadness, anger, anxiety, frustration, and all the other emotions that come with shared public grief over the continued tragedies that our children face in this country. Whoa. I That's totally a fucking ag- comedy podcast, Will. I totally agree. I it just, I, I, I emotionally read that sentence wrong for where it ended up. <laughs> so um, I'm sorry for the tone of my voice not matching the tone of the sentence. I know this is a comic podcast, he says. Okay. But we all lean. Wow, did I say on the topic of leaning to begin with this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know that that was here. Anyway. <laughs> Man, um, this is this, I'm, this is a roller coaster, Jeff. This is, we need to rein it in a little bit. I'm, I'm having... Is that a devil's reign? Uh, I know this is a comic podcast, but we all lean on comics and other forms of entertainment for escapism. I was wondering if you guys would be able to share what comics or other entertainment you can lean on when you are fighting your way through those aforementioned emotions. P.S. I love you guys. And if this topic is too heavy for the podcast, feel free to exclude it. Will oh, we now, exclude nothing? Also, and maybe that's a next warning time better at the that. beginning. Yeah. <laughs> 
Mine um, is not a fun answer because everyone already knows it. But, um, you know, it's All-Star Superman. It's All-Star <laughs> Superman for me. Uh, I think that's the most hopeful book that exists in my mind. For me, the most hopeful thing uh, brings me to tears, makes me think about the human, like the, the, the best aspects of humanity and um, righting wrongs and the ability to it's just like the best channeling of, in my mind, like a Christ type figure in modern comics for me. Mm-hmm um because he very is just kind of doing the things of jesus while being superman and um you know i want everyone to be like wondering right now like is jeff super religious or not super religious what is he's a weirdo but anyway that that's that's my clear answer and i'm sorry that's probably kind of a disappointment uh because will knows i love that book already but that's definitely my beacon of light i think i probably i don't i don't know what i do about that like that stuff always makes me sad and mad and I guess I usually find myself doom scrolling and saving more cartoons and charts that are related to school shootings when something like this happens. And when I say when something like this happens, I guess I mean like when something like this is in the top of the news because it happens every other week. Yeah. But like, I'll bet I could flip through and find six political cartoons that I was like, this is this is a an interesting way of looking at this that I wish people who liked guns more than they like kids would do do you have a comic that you go to no okay no i i, I, I processed I, it. I don't i didn't even i don't i don't i don't remember if the question <clears throat> specifically said comics or not i i immediately comics went or media comic specific okay okay and I, like i compartmentalize things so much in my brain that there's there is some bleed over but not a ton and I, I, love, I don't i don't find solace in comics usually i don't usually either i find solace most actively in music is mm-hmm. my like more you know like if i'm angry like i am when i'm looking at the news right now um like tool rage against the machine is like a fantastic one because like it's a band formed specifically to combat that stuff system of a down is another one uh nine inch nails but like things like <clears throat> an example of people turning tragedy into something beautiful is what I like to go to. And those are bands that do that. Roman, what do you, what do you do? What are, what are, what's the most obvious thing in your mind? Now, what's the question and what I thought it was just what, what we use for escapism. Yeah. Let's get back in there. So Um, we reread the question just that we were all on the same page and it did say (laughs) comics or media. And I am Jeff classic binary thinking always, always black and white with me. Well, I don't know. There's not, I don't think there is any specific, Oh, title or movie I could name. I mean, the last three years since the beginning of the pandemic has just been one blow after another. So tons of movies. Um, oh, wait, of course, The Punisher. That's where I go. <laughs> yeah, you do. You love Frank Castle. <laughs> yeah. I got to say The uh, Office is another, like <clears throat> Office and Parks and Rec are also two of the like beacons of positivity. Oh, yeah, there's Dewey Cox. Yeah. There's com yeah comedies um series I'll rewatch like Teen Titans Go. That's one of my top ones mm. that if I'm feeling any negative stuff i watched like a bunch of episodes of that yeah yeah or you know it's another good one star trek that's a show that's what got me through the first couple months of the pot like the pandemic um well let's 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 change the vibe all right let's put some triple a's into that hitachi and just change this vibe um Django just Django just opened his buttons. He's still wearing his name tag from the comics place. Hey, <laughs> we're here to talk about comics. It's episode 270 of this comic show that we've been doing for 270 episodes uh, means we're in the final march towards the bitter end. Episode 300, <laughs> the final episode of the podcast. 30 oh episodes left, everybody. Is that canon? It's been canon <laughs> since we started. We talked about that. 300 is the end. Um, <sighs> and on this episode of the voyage, the maiden voyage of the SS Papcast, um, we've got... 
Uh, we're going to talk about Hulk number seven. We're going to talk about Batman Fortress number one. Ice Cream Man, number 30, seguing into a bit of image anthology, number two, conversation. We're talking about Amazing Spider-Man, number two, and Spectro, number one, and maybe in a variety of other things. That's, oh, we're going to talk about The Punisher, number three. That's actually exciting. I'm sorry I missed that one. So all of that um, could get mixed up and muddled. But <clears> now <throat> that we've got Django back, um, I think my favorite thing to do right now is it would be to give you a buckshot, but I don't know where my phone is. I don't know where That's my phone good, is. That's good, because I didn't know where my comics were. Do you so, want me to time myself for a buckshot? That seems no, kind of dirty. No, it seem bad, yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't like that idea I, at all. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Um, <clears throat> you know what? We won't do buckshots then. Um, oh, shit. Or just You're in charge of them. I'll go grab my phone when you guys are talking about something else. Okay. Um, Hulk number seven. <clears throat> Roman, you said this was well, maybe the, the cream of the crop for you this week. This, yeah. And this is the best issue of this run of Hulk, uh, in my opinion. This is the one issue I've enjoyed the most of, of this Zdarsky run. Oh, because they finally explained what the fuck is going on in any of it? The yeah, Kate's and I, run. Yeah, and Kate's. Sorry, I, I confuse Zdarsky and Kate's all the yeah, time. They're, they're both very hip boys, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, okay. They explain what's going on. Uh, just what, what did you love about this? Um, it's part three of the Banner of War crossover story of Thor and Hulk beating on each other. Um, it was just a big, stupid Marvel triple action type of issue. I mean, it starts off with Tony Stark has built Hulkbuster armor, except it's also based on celestial tech. So he's got this enormous armor that he attacks attacks Hulk with. And that again, last and, reveal and, and, was so like when the previous issue when that reveal happened was so awesome. Yeah, yeah, and and the only thing I didn't kind of like about it is because it it contrasts so much with Iron the current Iron Man series. Because uh-huh. in this, in the last issue, Tony like takes off and it goes to attack the Hulk despite what Captain America and the rest of the Avengers are saying. Um, and Tony's just his stereotypical like egocentric jerk in this that doesn't listen to anybody. It's like, come on, Tony, you've screwed up so many times. You're going to do it yet again. <laughs> like, so that was kind of, felt kind of lame to me. But it was awesome action. It is awesome action. I, yeah, I, I really liked it. I, I, yeah, and the, the ending is fantastic. The one one of the thoughts I had going through it was like, I wish that Ryan Otley was drawing this, who is the normal yeah. Hulk artist. Um, because if this issue suffered for me in any regard, it was that it had at times a little bit like uh, my complaints for that series, We Only Find Them When They're Dead, where it feels like the camera is really zoomed in a lot of the time. Mm. And, and I just sort of like, in terms of like spatial reasoning, I was having a hard time kind of mapping everything out. Um, but that's really not story related at all. And I really loved, I love the idea of Iron Man Celestial is such an awesome idea. And then, you know, so is the big thing in here that like, so, so in the previous issue, I think that like, you know, we heard Banner say like, but Hulk, the, the rage of Hulk is trapped inside a, you know, a sort of a simulation type thing, a infinite idea scape where he's becoming more angry and feeding off it, but he doesn't know he's not in there. Like it's not fake. It is real. And now he's fighting am i making any sense yeah uh, sure i mean none of it makes sense still i mean in this issue yeah banner's freaking out inside the hulk's head because Mm -hmm. he's telling odin that hulk doesn't realize that thor and iron man aren't simulations and that line of dialogue i think oh so hulk does know 
he's been fighting simulations. Well, that doesn't make sense, though. Then he wouldn't get as angry. And to me, it seemed like, and yeah, I, I agree. So I think that maybe in this one, we actually like the personas shifted. So now instead of Hulk fighting like giant Spider-Man creatures and stuff like we've been seeing leading up to this, like now that persona has shifted. So instead of fighting those things, he's now in the driver's seat and he is fighting this celestial Iron Man. And, and so like, he's able to be building his rage while doing that. But like, he doesn't know that he's now the the main driver was my read on that. But I, I wasn't sure if, if, if other, if everyone else like got it or whatnot. I mean, sorry, if, if, if I didn't know what was going on, I'm still, I'm still confused on some of this stuff. Oh yeah. Also I have COVID. Too. So I um, just, uh, you know, everyone be gentle with me. Yeah, I am too. I have no idea what the actual story still is with Hulk and Banner and everything. It's just great action. I like, I actually liked the way the artwork, because it was all fit the whole big, crazy, stupid. It does. You're right. Cosmic nonsense yep. action of this. You know, and I think actually maybe it's less the art's fault and more that just like, if you're dealing with a celestial and you're dealing with two moderately human-sized figures, <laughs> like the scope of that is going to yeah. be difficult to be taking in at any given moment. So that that was probably more what I was struggling with than anything. Um, but I love this thing at the end where like Hulk is kind of like his explodes. rage got to such a point that it was he basically created a gamma bomb, but it was like a thousand gamma bombs and it ended up turning the tur- spoilers, turning Thor into a Hulk. Like that's... I saw the cover yeah. for that next issue and didn't put together that like oh, wow. Thor becomes a Hulk until th- reading this. And I'm like, damn. Oh, I haven't seen that cover. But yeah, the ending is great because Hulk just it's... explodes and Thor is standing next to him. <laughs> yeah. And the art on that is particularly great. I, in the previous issue, it was also by this artist. And I did feel in the previous issue like um, like it, it could be way worse as a fill-in artist. Like I, I, I did not have any complaints about the previous issue's art. Um, so I think it is more like scope and scale. It's so interesting how artists speeds work. Like this art is arguably more intricate than Otley. I don't think it's as, as good in my eyes as Otley, but it's, it's got more going on, more lines, but Otley just can't seem to keep up with a monthly book. I don't know about that. Well, maybe at this point, but I was going to say invincible is a pretty strong. Well, he hasn't kept up with this and he hasn't kept up with well i don't i think spider man i I don't think that Uh, this i think that this is more a byproduct of they were like okay sweet we're gonna give this artist a six month lead time to do this and then all you'll be doing the main series and uh, then like and that's just what they've been doing with comics lately like marco cicchetto did all of the art in devil's reign but they took him off of the main daredevil book to do that that makes sense like i think that they so now this artist is doing thor and hulk and he's doing the whole event so that and, and I think that's a good call because then you're not having fill an yeah. artist. You're essentially <clears throat> having a singular artist be the person telling all of one story. And so I you have a package that. for the Hulk yeah. and the Thor issues. You, you have a Steve Lieber, so to say. Yeah, the whole package. Yeah. I, Roman, the shots of like the celestial bullets just like beating the shit out of the Hulk, like the way that those show damage on his face sort of in the first half of the issue uh, yeah. was awesome. Just because like, you know, is the Hulk unfate you know unpenetrable unhurtable like how do you show that you're hurting the hulk while also still making sure he's the hulk right Mm -hmm. i really liked reading this with the vantage point of also like having read hulk grand design recently um those two issues like gave me a sliver of what roman knows when he reads most hulk things and um to be able to kind of understand the combative relationship between bruce banner and the entity of the hulk better now I, I don't think until reading Hulk Grand Design, I really had an idea of sort of how 
both symbiotic and antagonistic their relationships are. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think I needed that to be able to understand the sort of hatred for one another that they have, but also like to finally make that make sense. It's like, oh yeah, cause there's a part of me that I hate that drives the Jeff vehicle sometimes. And, and, you know, it's really, you know, it goes back to conversations I had with you about sort of like why you like the Hulk and sort of, you know, I, I, it's been harder for me to like really identify with that aspect of that character, but I, it's totally there. And, and Hulk Grand Design really helped with that. So plug for Jim's up and by Jim's up, I mean, Jim Rogue. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Zub did write a comic I read this week, though. <clears throat> so, what, so what are our scores? It? Yeah. yeah <laughs> oh, what? Django, it's good to have you back, bud. <laughs> did you read it, Django? No. Oh. I mean, I, I just flipped through it. I don't like the art nearly as much as I, I have, um, but I do like the idea of Thor. Thor getting gammed. Donny Cates just just keeps doing these things. I'm like, well, you can't undo that. And yeah. I'm sure I'm, you know, like Null is here to stay, and that's almost a world breaking thing. Thor as a Hulk is going to have to get reverted. It's almost a world-breaking thing, but it's so much fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I think it's interesting uh, seeing Tony Stark in there controlling the mech. I'm always, as a big fan of Gundams, it's always really interesting to me, and like even Galleon Anime, how different artists portray how somebody controls a mech that's way larger than them. And I don't agree with this interpretation. I give it an eight. I liked it. <laughs> I gave it a nine. Jeff, can we talk a little bit more about your Tyler Durden? Yeah. Um, I'm just Curtis kidding. Gaines. You got a buckshot. You got a minute and 30. Oh, go. nice. That was good. Devil's Reign Omega. I read it. Uh, this had some Jim Zub story in it, which you, you all know I love. Um, this was mostly a Chip Zdarsky story, and then it had some other follow-up. And it follows <laughs> up on just Devil's Reign. Uh, was that a month ago? Does my life work? Does time <laughs> make sense? I don't really know. I had forgotten how Devil's Reign ended, and everyone knows I talked about those episodes, issues. I loved them. Uh, but... I was like, oh, right, this happened. Oh, right, this happened. And, and I had just forgotten a lot. So this is good that they put this out because it does seem like there's a lag going on between the return of Chip Zdarsky's Daredevil. And I needed a reminder and kind of a wrap up. So I think this existed in a positive way. I'm glad that it existed to clarify the end of that and clear the way for the next story arc. But um, it didn't necessarily stand on its own super, super well as just like a story you could read and enjoy. But um, some good, 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 uh, ex, you know, Devil's Reign follow-up. Um, Legion of X, I read that. Cy Spurrier and then Bazaldua. I forget the, this artist's first name. Um, I read this because this is following up on Way of X and I loved Way of X. Roman and I both liked Way of X a lot. And this, I think the only way I can describe reading this was laborious. It, it was just really hard to get through. It was a lot of words and a lot of characters I don't care about. And it really left me with a kind of bummed out vibe for where we're at with the X-Men universe. I've said that, uh, but now that Hickman's gone, it does not seem like there's anything exciting that we're chasing. We're just sort of eating the crumbs of the cookie that he left. Devil's Reign Omega, I give you a 7.5. Legion of X, I give you five. Laborious is kind of how I felt about a lot of the X stuff that I've tried to jump into, um, and I in think general, it's, even it's, when it's Hickman my was there, fault. Right? No, yeah. I like the I like the Hickman stuff a lot, but just like as as it spidered out, I was like, oh, I I don't know enough about these characters. No, There's I, not I a, a germ that we're chasing. There's not right. a cool idea that is so cool that it makes you want to pursue it through all of the avenues that they can express it with their comic book yeah. lines. There is not a like a gem 
There's not like a singular story that is like guiding this whole thing, which they did have and now they do not have. So it's just like, I guess I'll read this because it's these characters, but now they're just sort of chasing the promise of the island of Krakoa. Whereas before it seemed like the island of Krakoa was just a step in the the pathway to get to this ultimate story that Hagen was telling. So um, yeah, those were my scores. Well done, buddy. Good scores. Thank you. I love how open your shirt is. You always want to talk about Batman Fortress and, and, and can we just, can we just, so this is written by a guy and DC likes to hide their credits in the back. So the art is by Derek Robertson and the, it is written by Gary Witta. And what I just want to say is, isn't it weird? Isn't it strange that we went through like a decade without getting like almost any Derek Robertson. Mm-hmm. And then in the last two years, we've gotten a lot of Derek Robertson at DC, a lot. Like Hellblazer, he did that Legends of the Dark Knight run. He's doing this yeah. now. He did a different thing, like Space Bastards. Yeah, Space Bastards. Like, I mean, that, just, that's not DC, but right. But it's it a is monthly book. It's just weird that there was this. Like when I started working at the shop, Ballistic had just started <clears throat> coming out, and I think that's oh, the yeah. only thing he like put out in the entire first eight years I was there or something. It's just it's it's bizarre to me. So I just wonder what happened, and um, I'm glad yeah. to see him. So he was uh, like he did most of. The beginning of Transmet, but he mostly dropped off or had a ton of anchors or fill-in artists near the end. And I kind of wonder if he if he doesn't have like maybe he's designing shoes and that pays thirty times better than a comic book, you know? Sure. Or maybe he's just living off the royalties of Transmet and Boys for yeah. so long that he's just like fuck, I don't need it anyway. It's just it's an interesting thing. Did he do the Boys? Yeah. 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 Didn't he? That's yeah. his big thing. The Boys. <laughs> um, I thought this was awesome. Uh, Gary Witta did. A movie or a TV show or something, right? Okay. I think okay. he's I think he's a screen person um, who's done a couple of comic books. Um, I'm just kind of generally a sucker for Derek Robertson's art. Oh, he did and, the Book of Eli. Oh, nice, nice. He's uh, this. So the the conceit in this is that for some reason, all power is failing around the world. It's not just Gotham that's having one dark night. It's the whole world and Superman's missing and the Arkham inmates have escaped. And Bruce and Alfred have an interesting relationship in this that um, I kind of miss in the main universe. Yeah, yeah, I Um, totally agree. And Bruce has a fun relationship with Gordon in this also. And like, I, I think that a lot of the dialogue is really, really good, even though it takes up more page than the art. On some of these pages um i would turn the page and be like oh fuck this is gonna be this is gonna take so long and then i'd read it and like oh this is actually really good words that's a good point it, it did feel a little laborious and if that's the word of the episode for me um but ah! but it never joke but it didn't it never actually occurred to me that it was right. super wordy like it you know it just felt like okay this is kind of plotting but like it didn't it didn't it wasn't so it wasn't so many words like the words that were there were good it, it kind of was yeah. kind of like morrison or something where it was like some of this back and forth maybe unnecessary but good and it yeah there was a lived-in relationship between the characters like gordon and bat bruce and like gordon and bullock and then alfred and bruce like all of those relationships were there and he fed into the words to sort of illuminate those relationships yeah, and a lot of times uh, somebody who doesn't write a lot of comics doesn't seem to trust their artist, and so they use the words to fill in things that the artist could do. But all of these words were just pretty much dialogue or yeah. it, like internal um, monologue. Yeah, it wasn't expositional, you're right. Yeah. Um, I, Braden and I were talking yesterday, and Braden was like, 
you know, well, at least we have another Batman comic coming out. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but it's another good Batman comic. Like I would say four out of five Batman books that are coming out right now, I, I read them ready to have it suck and it's good. And this is a good one. So a similar thought occurred to me while reading it. And I actually, when, while you were gone, Django, there was like a DC meeting. And one of the things that I told them was that I, I like how much they're letting people tell stories that they want to tell. Mm-hmm. And if they're Batman, fine. And if they're not Batman, they also seem to be telling those as well. There's a lot of Batman books coming out right now, but I agree. A lot of them are high quality. And it makes me think back to like the 80s and 90s when like things like Gotham by Gaslight or Black Batman Red Rain or right. just like all of these. Like, there was a time where, yeah, there was just always a bunch of random Batman things coming out. And some of them probably weren't good. But then we got these like perennial trades that will stay in print forever that are great right. stories. So I think that you do kind of need that volume. And I think for the last 10 years or so, we've been living in a space where DC has been so like everything needs to fit into the main canon. Continuity. Yeah, they're not letting stories like this come out. And like this doesn't fit into continuity anywhere, but it's got all the promise of a good story. Roman, what did you think about it? And also, what did you think about Derek Robertson's art? Because I remember reading the Hellblazer thing that he did the art on and I was like, I don't know how much I feel about his art. He also did Happy in the last 10 years, I remember. But yeah. um, yeah. But uh, um, I'm curious, but you were a fan so I, of him and only the Hellblazer. How do you feel about his art and how did you feel about this? I love his art. That's <clears throat> my favorite thing in um, in this issue. I liked it. I, you know, I like the I like the plot beats and, and the action. Um, love the art. I love the whole idea for the story. My favorite thing was the the relationship between Batman and Alfred. Yeah, and the, <laughs> it's so good. The, the thing that pulled me out of it a little bit is. I don't think Wood has a very good. Uh, he does. He, he doesn't do the voice of Batman the way I think Batman should should talk. There, he, he. I mean, Batman. He says some M's instead of them, and some out and like outa or gotta. Then I'm like, you know, Bruce doesn't talk like that. Mm. Batman doesn't talk like that. So that yeah. kind of that kind of took me out of it a few times. Yeah, like the moment where Gordon explains the purge, and then Batman's like, "That's a movie." Um, <laughs> well, that part I liked. I mean, yeah, well, I like that. I like that. <laughs> even that was like a colloquial conversation. But it, it I, I guess yeah, Gordon's point, gotta have his hands full. Yeah, I, oh, I, to yeah. that point, it, I, I feel like he almost writes Batman as Bruce in costume, and mm. I like. I think he's got a good grasp on the voice of Bruce, but I think that Batman is almost like a different persona, and there is still an element of like a colloquial person when he's being batman to your point so yeah yeah and batman's not colloquial no it was also an interesting thing in the in batman's narration when he's swinging over the city and watching the looters and thing that i thought was interesting because uh i interpreted it as being you know privileged white guy of course he has this this viewpoint but he says in my father's day the american dream used to mean something an honest wage for honest work food on the table liberty and justice for all and then the next thing he narrates is now it's an illusion i was thinking boy that's a privileged viewpoint it was always an illusion except for guys like you (laughs) (laughs) that's a good point that i vividly remember that line and yeah i guess it didn't immediately vibrate with me but yeah you're right privilege is is sort of what what that boils down to yeah i flipped to the cover a couple times to see if this was a black label book and it's not it's just it should be somewhere it should be right or an elseworlds it seems like it's it's not in continuity alfred is alive and yeah but but black black label doesn't mean like it doesn't have to be black label to be out of continuity it has to be black label to to have swears and boobs and dicks well one time yeah 
You're no, right. It doesn't like have that, to be, but I want yeah. it to be. If, I, if, I would, I would like a label to define that. Yeah. 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 If Batman doesn't quite sound like I think he should sound, I want there to be an exclamation that going, Oh, this is a different alternate reality or something. Yeah. And, and in my I mean, mind, I don't want a comic to be coming out right now that doesn't fit in continuity. Like, cause Alfred is dead. But they should just call it the Alfred universe or or whatever. But I guess obviously the clear intent with this is that it takes place earlier in Batman's career because the way that he interacts with his rogue gallery and the Mm, way that like the continuity of the rogues, like it has to be. So I bet what they're trying to do is tell an incontinuity story earlier than what's happening right now. Um, I'm curious what your score was, Jung. For this comic that uh, was written by the guy that wrote Rogue One, by the way. Oh, Uh, shit. I stopped at Book of Eli. I think I'd give this an eight. I think, that is exactly I think what solid. I gave it. Yeah, I gave, yeah, I gave it an eight. Okay, we're all and in agreement. Holy shit! For for a, yet another Batman <laughs> miniseries, like yeah, eight's pretty pretty dang solid. Again, hope, sorry, Roman, please. Oh, I just hope they collect all of these like Batman miniseries in in the one great big omnibus that's just called like twenty twenty Bat Batman Catwoman Fortress one one Dark Knight. Yeah, yada yada yada. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they Marvel's doing those omnibuses of all the issues that came out in a year or whatever. I would, I would. Oh God, would you buy a Batman twenty twenty one pandemic omnibus? (laughs) I I mean, I would do weirder things than that. Um, I uh, oh gosh, you guys are great. Hey, um, let's talk for a second about Spectro number one, a book that I didn't read this week because it wasn't delivered to me because I'm isolating alone in a home (laughs) and um. My friend Django brought me my entire stack of comics, plus some that I asked for. And I think it's cute to try and pretend that I've been slighted that he didn't remember or didn't do one. Um, it's not cute. I'm being I'm being d- difficult, right? Spectro, number one. Is that but it? I, Are you done? Yeah, I just, I, I mean, you know, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that you brought me my comics and I'm aware of how un- 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 irrational I am. Dude, there is no way I would bring you unsolicited an oversized 64 page sci-fi horror aftershock book by wandell oh it's aftershock never mind i wouldn't have done it (laughs) (laughs) so the way that i've been describing this roman and maybe you can uh maybe you can throw in some other other references into the mix this is basically like black mirror meets twilight zone which is a super weird thing to, to to mash up because they're the same, but they're not the same, right? So like Black Mirror is technological things taken to the extreme and usually have a horror bent or a horrific bent. And Twilight Zone is more like horror sci-fi, mm. right? Okay, yeah. And I, I think that this had a, a really good um, combination of those two very similar, but very different genres. And it's, it's four different short stories all by Juan Doe. The cover is amazing. The first story, ugh, it's gross and awesome. It's a, it's just the love story between a guy and his scale. Um, first, the first story was my favorite story. Yeah, it was it was pretty great. And there's kind of a Plutonian through line yeah. between the first and the second, and maybe even beyond that, right? I think. Well, oh, it's it's only three short stories. I yeah. Guess. Well, I didn't. Is there a through line? I thought it was like through the last three stories is the through line. But yeah, the Plutonian thing. Yeah. In so fact, like, this, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say you go ahead. The the second story is this amazing thing that has all the planets as <laughs> like people with planet heads in suits discussing how they're going to e- eject Pluto from the club. And Pluto's laying there uh, prone on the counter. And uh, 
Yeah, it's it's beautiful. It's just, it looks so good. It is. I was I was a little disappointed in the ending because I wanted to see more of this order of planets and like what they mm-hmm. do. But the ending was very cool and cinematic, and it leads right into the third story. <laughs> right, right, which in is a, in a very clever way. Yeah, yeah, totally. Which is is basically uh, something. It, it, it's a person exploring a planet in a mech suit with a great twist at the end. Yeah, yeah. He's, which he's, I think I twigged the, the twist a couple pages early, but I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. I mean, yeah, the guy's climbing <clears throat> Olympus Mons on Mars, and, and it's pretty cool. And his suit is awesome, his space suit, because it's got everything yeah. built in. I mean, waste disposal system and food and everything. Yeah, yeah, which you would need to climb that particular peak. Yeah. Uh, and then the last story is, uh, you know, scared scared woman on spaceship with alien chasing her. Yeah. Classic, classic trope. Classic. Um, but the alien is freaking scary. I I guess the art in that one didn't quite work for me as well. I have it's the same problem I have with a lot of things. It's a little too cartoony, so it lessened mm-hmm. the scariness. But the idea of this alien, I mean, I mean, all these tendrils start coming out of this guy we thought was human or yeah. was human at one point, but now he's alien infested. Yeah, and the way that that ends is like one of my biggest nightmares. It's why I'll never go into space. <laughs> yeah, each of these stories, <clears throat> that one and. Boy, each of them actually. I was thinking, God, I'd like to see this episode, yeah, <laughs> live live action. They all seem very cinematic. Yeah, it really it really feels like a show that you're watching, um, like Creep Show, but for sci fi horror. Yeah, yeah. So, what do you give it? Um, what did I give it? I gave it. I gave it an eight. I'm gonna give it an eight too. Yeah, an eight. An eight too. Eight point two. Eight oh eight oh two. That shit. shot of all the planet heads was awesome, and it made me think that like astrological people who like astrological stuff would be really into that yeah i just knocked the headphones off of my head um django you have a minute 30 go oh for i'm using a google timer i'm using a google timer i don't even know what sound it's gonna make when this is over oh my gosh nightmare man by source point press nice and it's a one shot about a dude let's see matthew wilding and matt rowe a one shot about a dude who meets the guy who used to give him nightmares and finds out that uh, all the times that he was tortured in his dreams were actually real. And the guy uh, feeds on his fear. And um, it's almost amateur, but really pretty cool. I liked it a lot. I don't think that there's going to be a second issue or a sequel or anything, which is something that I, I really appreciate these days. Uh, Newburn number seven. Just read Newburn if you're not reading Newburn. I'm not. <laughs> coward uh also i read dc versus vampires hunters number one uh this is i believe a one shot it's got damien and alfred versus dick and uh martian manhunters in there <sighs> dc vampires is just pretty good I, I don't i don't like saying it out loud but it's pretty good um i read pearl number one i don't know man i'm i'm leaning towards the it's michael bendis and and brian michael pearl bendis three and michael number one yeah, Pearl 3, number one. I read Pearl 1 and 2, and I liked them okay, but I don't know. Brian Michael Bendis is, uh, I think he's he's losing hey, something. Me, hey. I don't I don't think, I don't have screen sharing abilities. Oh, so. we can hear it, bud. Oh, can yeah. you hear it that? It sounded like it was coming uh-huh. out of your mouth a little bit. It, but, it started uh, as me doing that. So you, you, <laughs> you're hearing the computer one? <clears throat> yes. Yeah. Roman, are you sure? Well, you there it goes. There, okay, good. I stopped could, it. Could you turn it off? I, I, I can still I hear it. 
No, it's off now. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't grab my phone when I went out, out of the room. Uh, Nightmare Man. I'm going to give that a seven. New Burn. I'm going to give that a nine. Pearl. I'm going to give that a uh, six. And DC Vampires. I'm going to give that a seven. And a half. I agree. As somebody who loves Brian Bendis, it has been a long time since he had an output that was making me feel like it was the guy that I love. I do yeah. still like Naomi, but I, uh, yes. You're a big fan of Joy Operations too. Don't forget that. I do love Joy Operations. Hey, Ice Cream Man number 30. Did you guys <laughs> like this one? I have COVID. And with that came me not drinking coffee every single morning. And for some reason, my girlfriend, who is amazing that I live with today, made me coffee. I don't think she knew I haven't been drinking coffee. <laughs> I haven't shared that with her. I, I tested negative today. Like I probably would have pursued coffee, but I, I don't know. Either way, I drank coffee this morning and it fucked me up for like two hours. I was a really anxious mess, but I also read this issue of Ice Cream Man while doing that. So who's to say? <laughs> and I am somebody I've always, I boast about it because I love to brag about it because I don't think you're cool unless you've done psychedelic drugs. No, I don't feel that way. Um, but I, uh, <clears throat> I don't do psychedelic drugs anymore because they're stressful. And this really accurately revitalized or shined a light on that anxiety that lives within me about the uncertainty of, of psychedelic drugs. And uh, this really stressed me out. How'd you guys feel? It's ice cream, man. Hey, love you. We talk about every single issue, which I guess that this 270 episode podcast is really just a long running advertisement for the comic series, ice cream, man. <laughs> um, but I'm curious, did you guys read this? Did you like it? And did it stress you out? Yes, yes, yes. yes. No, <laughs> it didn't stress you out. No, I mean, it's a good story. I liked it, but it didn't stress me out, no. It did stress me out, man. So you sent an email to... This writer. W. Should Matthew I track Prince. it down right now? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we talked about it before. but We didn't like, talk about the response. Yeah, you and I had, had identified that there was a song quoted and, and kind of thematically explored in the last issue. And you wrote to him and, and you know, just told him you thought that was cool because... I've got it right here. Do you want to hear the, the response? Brothers. Yeah. Yeah, what did he say? He said, hey, Jeff, thanks so much for reaching out and for the kind words. And yes, that scene and the basic structure of the entire issue really was inspired by Be at Rest, the song you mentioned. A lot of my issues actually start that way. I'll hear a song with a novel lyrical or musical structure and then think, how can you do that in comics? This one ultimately morphed into this weird self-therapy thing. The dead main character is actually me. We know W. But the Colonel started with the ill-fitting suit. Thanks again for the support. We couldn't do it without the help of folks like you, W. Maxwell Prince. So what, very so, sweet response. So what's the song? It's "Be at Rest" by the Felice Brothers, and it's basically um, a description and a of of the funeral home and a eulogy for the character. It's a really great okay. song by itself. Uh, and then to sort of have tracked down a comic book where you're like, this is referencing this pretty obscure song that Django made me start listening to um, yeah. was a really rewarding experience. Hmm, um, cool. And I got the feeling that he was referencing in this quite a bit. Um, the, uh, what was it? The learners. I don't know so it, it's, it, it's not a song. It was uh, an experiment at Harvard. Was it where they would uh, electrocute, somebody if they got the answer wrong or pretend to electrocute somebody hmm. you know about this no okay so roman knows about it it's that 
uh, so Jeff, you would be brought into a room, right? I, I, I can extrapolate. Yeah. Yeah. And the teacher would say, okay, you're going to talk to the person in the other room. You're going to talk to Roman and quiz him on things. And if he gets it wrong, you have to give him an electrical shock. That oh gets worse every no, time. I did. I did. Yeah, yeah. And they would increase how much the person was screaming. And Roman and is just an actor yeah, yeah, screaming. Yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 and yeah, that's, yeah. that's kind of what I felt like was going on here because like the placebo and the non-placebo guys are are all mixed up and it just seems like an experiment that's cheating and then it zooms out a little bit and the experiment is cheating even more than we realized before mm-hmm. um and it it just gave me real real good echoes of that which is like i can't imagine the psychological damage of somebody who thinks that they've killed somebody in the next room and then is yeah. sent home like they didn't they never even and, told those people that and that's what that happen. was testing was they basically were making it sound like the person that they were torturing was in excruciating pain because they were playing recordings to the person in charge of punishing them. Mm-hmm. And and then they convinced them of maybe killing the person. Yeah. For me, what was stressful about this is just like, man, when you take psychedelics, so those like first 45 minutes are very, for me personally, stressful because you're just like, you don't know what's going to happen. And, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. So it made me really get back into that moment of like, oh, <laughs> fuck, the ticking up of the, the roller coaster of that is one of the main reasons I don't really <laughs> want to do those again. And you're just kind of along for the ride, right? Like you want to get off? Bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Don't I, like I don't this? like losing control. Bummer. Yeah. yeah. Wait it out, bud. I really liked a lot of the references to previous um, Ice Cream Man things in here. Like I Holt didn't find a, a ton of them. Holt keeps appearing. Okay, so that company does? Okay. Yeah, and then there's some stuff in the kitchen when he goes home. There are a couple of other brands that... I was was like Morsels, is that one? Morsels, yeah, I think Morsels. I was looking around because I was like, I bet that Django is going to remember these references, and I don't remember any of these references, so I was trying to find them. Yeah, yeah, I... I just this book is just so also maggots cool. really gross me out and this has maggots it has yeah. this idea of this like weird shadow figure that's in there looking at you all the time I also like the idea of thinking you're sane because you've been told that you're taking the placebo and you're not taking the placebo is like a oh, pretty scary idea um, and that's like that's the teachers and the learners right a little bit like, I mean, like, like a perverted version of that yeah it's a perverted version of it because yeah the idea of being told that you're mentally sound and mm-hmm. then having psychedelics do what they do to you and having yeah. to come across the realization that you've been lied to would be a really challenging thing in that situation um, i love the the doctor has these picture frames in his office mm-hmm. and they're just neapolitan ice cream oh okay <laughs> i just thought it was like the lgbtq flag because it's like relatively <laughs> i mean it's yeah purple it's, it's, and it's stacked pink. like that yeah, but yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah you're right yeah. um Roman, what did you think of it? Where does this stack up in the Neapolitan swirl of Ice Cream Man issues? God, the the big spidery human maggot creature is so horrible. The maggots (laughs) for me, but the spiders for you. Yeah, that that's something that's that's Bernie Wrightson worthy there. Oh yeah, it would be grosser if it was Wrightson. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) Be slimier. Be wetter. Yeah. Um, I I love the ending of this. And there's something weird, and maybe it's just, a, I don't know, the people's fingers bothered me. There's something, maybe those are just supposed to be knuckles, but why do they have two circles 
on each finger below the fingernail. I was like, what's going on? Both of them have that. What's... Yeah, I think that's them trying to draw the final knuckle of a finger, finger but you're right. I, I would also say this artist, well, perfect for this series, also struggles with age sometimes. Um, hmm. There was one point where I was like, I think that person's supposed to be younger than they are. Um, maybe the daughter, like the, yeah, the daughter in here. The daughter? Um, I don't remember a daughter. Oh, right. A hockey jersey. Um, am I thinking of a different? Oh, thinking... sorry. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the other. Issue. I keep thinking we're of the other issue into, too. Sorry. Oh. We're going to segue into a different ice cream man thing that came out this week, but um, so I, okay. you, you guys are freaked out by the spider and the maggots. The thing that got me was the dude with the pen in his neck, like somebody harming themselves with a pen always freaks me out. Django doesn't want us to have pens at the store because he's actually concerned about this. And I keep telling him big mechanical pencils are just as dangerous. But for whatever reason, he thinks that graphite can't do what a ballpoint does. Roman moves the scissors away from the customers and I move the pens. Yeah, isn't it funny? We've just got our thing about I don't I, I don't I don't want the scissors and, and our box cutter disappeared. So I'm and I'm like, you know, customer grabbed it. He went out and I, killed somebody. I actually also <laughs> I forgot that Roman thinks about that, but I have also had that thought, which is I could put the scissors back here. Actually, I should probably put them over there just in case. <laughs> I, I've had that thought. Um <clears throat> I'm gonna give this one a nine. I think it's amazing. This series is amazing. It made me really uncomfortable and it stressed me out. And again, I think if you can stress me out, I, I had the strength to be anxious for this today, but it really did fucking stress me out, man. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to also give it a nine. You know, it's funny. The pen thing didn't bother me, but I think it's because <clears throat> when I was a kid, I saw that episode of MASH where they they save the guy out on the road by um I think Father Mulcahy, Hawkeye's talking him through it on the radio and uh, has him do a tracheotomy using mm-hmm. a, a, a pen case. And I think ever since then, maybe I, I think pens are like life-saving devices. Those are devices <laughs> to save people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I tell you guys something that I really liked about this? Uh, when the doctor is doing his voice notes, he says, voice notes, Dr. Charles Benjamin, May 25th, which is release day for the comic. And Ice Cream Man has done that before where there's a date oh. reference that is the release day for the comic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he says, study 0030 is officially underway. And this is issue 30. <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I did cool. note that it was the same date that it would have come out. Yeah. Um, so the other Ice Cream Man thing was in a portion of Image Anthology issue number two. We're not going to talk about this whole issue, but I just want to talk about this little bit in here. This is a portion of Ice Cream Man called Semiotics. I really love that Ice Cream Man basically just exists for these two creators to be able to tell whatever story they want in whatever 20 or eight page medium they want about whatever they want. And this one is about semiotics, you know? Uh, do you know? I don't know. Uh, semiotics I didn't theory. know until this. What semiotics were? Yeah. Yeah. Science? So science? It's basically the science of ideas being communicated through symbology and language. Um, and then it, it's basically breaking down the way that people perceive ideas with like, there's an image, but there's also the idea that's associated with the image. And both of those are different things. Um, I had a g- girlfriend at one point that was in a graphic design class and she was very into it because they were talking about it there. So I mm-hmm. learned about it through that, which is because like graphic design is very based on the idea of semiotics. Um, the, even the bad idea one made me think about the bad idea comic company. Anyway, so this is... Yeah basically distinguishing between the idea of like images as they're represented in comics when they're represented as images in comics and not as the comic themselves, like a drawing of a person that represents the person in a comic. And then how that all still is not quite what a human being is like, you know, like there's stick figure drawings of the main character. There's drawings of the main character. And there's a photograph of a real life human being who is the character. 
But even still, that's not the same thing as being the human being that it's showing because it's a visual representation of them. And it doesn't get super existential and weird like a lot of them do. It's just like this weird meditation on a drunk guy who bails on his family because he's a drunk and needs to be forgiven and is sort of lost within the symbiology of who he is and what he is and how we view him. It's only like eight pages but what the ice cream man crew does in eight pages uh, is more than what most people can do. And a lot more than that. So yeah, I, I think it's also a pretty awesome lesson in symbiotics. Like, like it teaches you by definition, what all the different portions of semiotics are. Right. Cool. And so right. that's cool. It's a, it's a learning tool. And this is the one that I was thinking of that has all the ice cream man references. Yeah. And it, it does. And it has, and even like, yeah. And it, for me, this is the one I had the, the thought of like, I think she's supposed to be younger than he draws her, which, but he's also like, you know, I, anyway, but yeah, this one did, I feel like pack way more into the ice cream man mythology. Yeah. And it things that like that makes sense because, uh, because they was not in ice cream man issues. So they probably were trying to harken back to, it. and they even showed the ha ha issues mentioned in parentheses, yeah. ha ha and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. This is one of the few times that I've been like, fuck yeah, there's a photograph in my comic book. I totally agree. Cause <laughs> I don't like that, but this did it so well. Yeah. yeah. You got to read that animal man. I have read a good portion of that animal man. Not all of it. Did you get, did you get to the Grant Morrison part? I've only read the Grant Morrison part. I got oh, okay. he was yelling at me, but I don't remember any photographs within the issue. Maybe it was just on the covers that they use photographs of of a desk and stuff. Anyway, that was a great part of it. Actually, that whole book was pretty good. I, I read man. almost no the uh, image. Yeah, image I read. I read almost all of it. Um, yeah. <clears throat> even ones that I did not. My only complaint is that did this come out exactly a month ago? I feel like it was longer than that. Maybe it was a month ago, but if I'm only getting like eight pages at a time, I was like, I love, I remember loving the Jeff Johns, Andrea Muti story. And I was like, I don't remember any of this. Like I remember yeah. liking it, but like every one of these stories, I was like, I don't remember enough. Like there wasn't had enough to, of an impact to had to be at least five weeks. Cause I was gone for four weeks. Yeah. That's actually why um, I didn't pick up the second one because I remembered liking the Jeff John story, for instance, but not, not remembering remember a single thing about <laughs> except it. for that it's the artist from Maniac of New York, who we do love. Yeah. 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 Hey guys. Jeff, yeah? did you read what I want to talk about? I want to talk about my book this week, guys. I want to uh, talk about I want to be, I want to say I'm the I think I'm the minority here. Okay. I want to be the outside of I don't want to be, but I have a feeling I'm the outside of the circle. Amazing Spider-Man number two by Zeb Wells and John Romita Jr. Um Oh, guys, I gotta wait. I gotta wait till Django comes back because I can't oh. do this without Django. Roman, I bailed out of talking about this because I needed you here for it. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. Okay, Amazing Spider-Man, Zeb Wells, John Romita Jr. I gotta apologize. I've got to apologize because I thought long and hard, both long <clears throat> and hard, about this, and I can't think of an artist I would rather be drawing my Spider-Man than John Romita Jr. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But this is exactly. Nope. This is exactly. No. No. Don't count. That doesn't count. You don't. Ross Andrew. No. No. Jack, Jack Kirby. No. Ditko. Eric no. Larson. No. Senior. No. No. I want John Romita Jr. drawing my Amazing Spider-Man. This is what I want. This is what I want. And I'm getting it. I'm getting it right now. And I knew while I was reading this <laughs> that 
I was in the, no one else felt the same way as me, but this is exactly what I want my Amazing Spider-Man book to look like and feel like. And I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Ramita did a bunch of the Straczynski, right? Yes. And I yeah. think it's and it was perfect. Great. Yes. Yeah. And this makes me feel like that. It just, again, Django, I don't know if you heard when we talked about episode number one, issue number one of this, but again, do I think he's the best artist in the world? No. But much like Derek Robertson, no other comic feels like a Derek Robertson book outside yeah. of Derek. Like it, it, everything has like a dirty grime to it. Um, every artist, well, not every, but I think the talented artists have a feel that is unmistakable to them, the, to their own. And again, this isn't perfect. There's a lot of crummy faces. There are a lot of very bad faces in that Derek Robertson Batman book. There are yeah. a lot of them. Okay. Everybody looks like they got a fat lip and they're all like, there are a lot of those faces that are frankly poorly drawn, okay? But there's a style to all of it that is wonderful. And I feel the same about John Romita Jr. I just fucking love it. I get it. No, nobody else probably other than me feels this way, but this is exactly what I want and I'm so happy to be getting it. And even Zeb Wells' writing is great. I think it's great. I think this is the closest to a Spider-Man book that I've wanted to read two issues in in the entire time I've worked at the comic shop, like we had the closing arc of Dan's slot. We had Nick Spencer. We had like that. That's yeah. basically been it for 10 years. And those guys both did really good things in different ways. But this is a middle of the road, unforgettable, like, sorry, forgettable plot. Just like we're dealing with middle, middle of the road characters. But Peter feels like Peter. It looks like I want it to look like the characters interact in the way that I want them to interact with. Like Peter babysits for Norman Osborn at one point, his mask smells like pudding. It's a re like a reoccurring joke. I love <laughs> the way I love the way that John Romita Jr. Draws Spider-Man in costume. I just fucking love it. It's maybe my favorite Spider-Man in costume drawings. Maybe. I don't know. Don't, don't press me on it. There is a scene in here. That's like three pages long that takes place in a giant semi trucks cargo container. And like, again, it's a 9.5 only because I had to go back to that spot and like frame it correctly. Cause I had to work to frame that. But then after doing that, I thought it was awesome. Like they show the entrance of the truck. There's all these vertical lines. It's so well constructed action. And then it's this truck that becomes a trash compactor and all the walls start closing in. And then it's just like perfectly Peter. Like he's trying to bash out, but he realizes the last minute, the way that he can actually survive is that tombstones in there with him. So he makes himself small and he lets the place turn like bend around tombstones so that he'll survive. It's <laughs> awesome. It's, it's awesome. It's just, it's inconsequential. And maybe that is what makes it great. But to quote another thing, it's good old fashioned superheroes. It's, yeah. it's just, to me, it is what I want out of a Spider-Man comic. Um, and this one didn't dive quite as much into like Peter being a butthole like the first issue did because like mm -hmm. some stuff has happened. There was a time jump and Peter's being kind of a butthole. But again, I know everyone hates John Romita Jr. And I've hated him for a lot of things, especially all of his DC stuff. But um, literally, this is what I want out of Spider-Man art. I want it to be John Romita Jr. So I'm sorry. I, gotta... I apologize. I'm sorry, but I'm getting <laughs> I what say, I man, want. I was ready to drop off a kick ass when John Romita Jr. left. Yeah. And I don't think it's him. I think he experiments with different art styles. So when Marvel hires him, 
I think he does his Marvel style. And when DC hires him, I think he experiments with DC. Because if you look at Kick-Ass, it's a different kind of grotesque body shapes and bad faces than what he does with Batman, than what he does with Marvel. And I think he's just... I think he's just playing around. I think he's he's made some of my least favorite drawings in the last five years. And yep. I, I, I agree. totally agree I with you that, that I didn't read this second issue, but I thought that his art was super appropriate for that first issue of Spidey. I just love his Spidey. I just love it. I yeah. love it. It's I just yeah, I it's probably totally subjective. So how much money do you think it would take for Marvel to pay McFarlane to come back and do 12 issues of Spider-Man? I have no I idea. Imagine that. I liked the story in this too. Tombstone was good. Uh, the, Does it know, jump like, around? Like, because that other one has a whole bunch. The first issue had a whole bunch of different things that it seemed like it was setting up. Does it this jumps, follow a thread? It jumps around, but I mean, like, there's something going on between like Tombstone and this the bunny character. I forget her name. Mm-hmm. And and Spider Man's kind of in the middle of that. But like, what's more interesting is that like Norman showed up, and like Norman Osborn's continuing rotating moral direction in Spider Man is always fascinating. Because like, what are they doing with him now? But like, for whatever reason, Spider Man had to babysit, you know, his kids, like Norman's right. kids, which are like maybe Gwen Stacy's kids <clears throat> or like Normie Junior. Right. Um. And there's just like th- there's some great dialogue about Peter being a babysitter. Um. You know. Uh, you know, so he calls Norman after dropping him off, you know, some light coloring, gluing of construction paper. Someone got a sizable glob in their hair, but I'm not ready to name a suspect dot, dot, dot. Yep. Pudding and juice. Well, two puddings for Stanley, but I think he's saving one for later. Hey, I'm actually heading into something. Can I call you back? I just love like, just like this throwaway conversation about Peter being a babysitter and it's yeah. like a babysitter language. Like, yeah, sorry. He did this <laughs> and this is that, but like, I don't want to actually say this and like, um, I think it probably is insulting to long-term maybe Spider-Man fans, but I don't know. I've just, I've, it's been so long since I've been enjoying reading a Spider-Man comic that I really, really, really liked issue two. I gave it a 9.5. It was my highest score of the week. And I was laughing out loud, reading it in bed last night. And I thought to myself when I closed it, I can't give it a 10, but there's no way I can give it less than a 9.5. Like I was just arguing with myself in bed. I was just like, I love this. And I reread it today to see if that stood and it stood. Well, lucky for all of our customers, we're sold out. I have one more that will be going back to the show. Directly into Will Waters' file. You know what we'll say, though? (laughs) Uh, We follow a wonderful group of Coliseum FOC people, and they have a real strong vendetta against Marvel, and they want them to know that if you're going to solicit issues way ahead of time of the issue that precedes it to be able to have sales data for it, we need to be sending a message to those publishers, and I'm trying to follow suit with that. So I am matching sub count, and giving a little bit for the shelf. Yep. But Marvel is doing some really abusive publisher stuff right now, which is they're making yeah. us order issue six of Amazing Spider-Man before issue three has come out. Yeah. That was what issue I did this week. Four, four and, six and six were on. Yeah. Because so, five is, yeah, because so, they're garbage. So like, I'm trying to send a message to those publishers <laughs> by not supporting that and saying that like, if you don't give us ample time, we're not going to order excessive quantities of your books. And, uh, so subscribe to the books you want. If you think well, you like Spider-Man, subscribe to Spider-Man. Also, I think that your numbers were perfect, assuming that it would be as good as the last three Spider-Man reboots, you know, and this one just happens to be taking off a little bit more. I, and I also just think we have to say, like, I cannot exceed my subscriber numbers drastically on right. good faith for this long. Like, I yeah. have to I have to start deferring to my subscriber numbers at some point. And, and a handful of, like, if you want to go down this rabbit hole, a handful of other 
publishers this week or this month are offering returnable number twos also. I think partly in response to the extended, uh, like the, the way that we have to order earlier and earlier because of paper shortages and stuff, which is really yep. interesting. Um, well, listen, Roman. I needed Roman's score. I didn't get a score. Oh, did you Roman. read it, Roman? Yeah, I read it. Of course, Roman read it. <laughs> oh. I'm just like over here screaming at John Romita Jr. and stuff. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I know I'm just bracing myself for whatever Roman's about to say. No, I, I think I think it's great. <laughs> I oh. think it's I think it's great. You got so much enjoyment out of it. it and it makes sense that uh, uh, Romita Jr. that his maybe maybe his best work is still Spider-Man because, you know, I that's agree. what he cut his teeth on. And that's his dad is one of the great Spider-Man artists of all time. 100 um, percent. So, yeah, that that all makes sense. I gave it a uh, I gave it a seven. Nice. Did you have and, any complaints and, about it? You know, it's funny. Both issues so far, I've the, the face that strikes me the most is <clears> Tombstones. <throat> mm-hmm. And because he's like albino and comic book albino, so he's like completely white. Yeah. So you forget about the fact that he's actually African-American. But the way Romita draws him, I can't figure out if it's badly drawn sometimes to be a caricature and it's insulting. Mm-hmm. or if it's actually a good representation of an African-American who's an albino. And I can't figure it out sometimes because it because it varies enough. You want to scan some in and we can recolor it and see what you think? That, that's a really good point, Roman. <laughs> you know, I didn't know that he's African-American as a character. I, for, I forgot about it until um, Ramita's last two issues. And I think there's some aspects that maybe he's leaning into, but there's also a moment here where Tombstone is talking to an African-American woman and they have very different features. So I, I don't know. I, I, I again... I'm not speaking to the specific faces. Right. Right. No, no, you just asked. No, no, no. Sorry. Yeah, you know, I just, I'm hoping to clarify the listener. Yeah. Sorry. You're mighty defensive for something you love, buddy. (laughs) No, I'm not. I think it's the the perfect match. I think it's. No, believe me. I think that Roman works harder to make sure he knows where I'm coming from than most people do. So I don't, I wasn't (laughs) trying to correct him. Um, Yeah. And I didn't mean to imply anything toward your your thing it's just that was Man, the thing why can't that, you just let me like my stuff quit jerking <laughs> each other off <laughs> but it's so much fun yeah it is how are you both can... giving each other a back rub at the same time that's what they're i want hand to know. jobs Django. they're hand jobs <laughs> hey, i love you... for reed richards we're able to stretch our hands did What's you guys score? he said it <laughs> what it was a seven, I think. Oh, seven. yeah yeah well, seven well, i think but... yeah do you want to go into Punisher? Or do we want to make Roman do a... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a punch. Roman, you got a minute and 30 seconds. Go. A Punisher shot. Um, Aerosmith behind enemy lines number five. This by uh, Kurt Busiek. This is such a fun series. It's just a great fantasy series. He's done a great world building here from all the previous Aerosmith series. And this is set during... I mean, it's a behind the lines uh, war story, except in a fantasy setting. And it's mm-hmm. really cool um avengers 56 legacy number 756 this was a great issue just because it's a jane foster story and there's some weird stuff going on and she kind of she's valkyrie but she kind of meets her thor self and they have an adventure together and it was pretty cool um i read edgar Allan pose the conqueror worm which was another odd uh, maybe kind of low professionalism comic it's an adaptation of the edgar Allan poe um poem so it's just a, a short poem adapted into a comic and it's wild and it's got some weird kind of spiritual heaven, hell conflict stuff. And it was all right. You know, this is the poem that ends with the line, the conqueror worm. So that's like the most famous part of the poem. Um, Red Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number 129. As usual, this was just a great, it's still a great series. This issue, just they're figuring out the mystery of the cyber frogs and there's, characters from way years ago.
Roman, did you say 129? 129. Dude, I think that you and I both jumped on it like around issue 100, right? Yeah. Because Sophie Campbell, I'm yeah. not reading every issue, but I think it's amazing that like 29 issues in, you know, I still mm-hmm. check in on it on random yeah. issues. Like I, maybe you're reading every single one, but I think it's pretty incredible that 29 issues in, we're both like interested in what's going on in TMNT. Yeah. Yeah. And this is actually the run that's gotten me into the turtles. Yeah. Finally. <laughs> nice. I mean, the other night I watched the Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated movie, which by the way is awesome. It's really good. I mean, I recommend if you're a fan of either care, either franchise, watch that film. It's awesome. I don't even remember that coming out. I think it came out in 2019. Shit. Yeah. And I watched it because I read some other good reviews online. I was like, well, maybe I'll give this a shot. And, and yeah, it was fantastic. Who published that uh, Edgar Allan Poe? Uh, Ahoy? No, CEX Publishing. That's Comics Experience. Is that Brian? Oh, oh really? No. Okay. I've been thinking it's, I've ordered more Comics Experience comics thinking it's a publishing house coming out of Brian's Comic Experience than I care to admit. It's not Brian, but I felt like it was somebody that we liked. It's, well, Andy Schmidt is the publisher. Oh, Andy Schmidt. And Andy Schmidt. Only, and the only other name I recognize is Chris Sotomayor is the art director. Chris Sotomayor. Andy Schmidt. Huh. Wait, Andy Schmidt has maybe done stuff with iFanboy. Andy Schmidt. It's he all very familiar to... to me. Andy Schmidt was a senior editor at IDW. He's been on iFanboy a lot. I think that he co-ran the Make Comics podcast with Josh on iFanboy for a long time. Okay. Yeah. I think that he is a okay. long-standing iFanboy contributor. <laughs> so uh, even I, though it's not Brian Hibbs, it's okay to go hard on him. Okay. Well, that's awesome. I, I That's cool to know because, yeah, I have been supporting it by name, thinking it's Brian Hibbs who owns a comic store in San Francisco called Comics Experience, right? Yeah, oh. with an X. Comics Experience with an X, I think. And this Brian's. is and this oh, is Comics, with a com- comics Experience Publishing. Okay. And I, did, and I didn't, and I didn't mention it's that this is adapted by Clara Meath. Meath? M-E-A-T-H. Right. Writer. Yeah. Meath. Well, that's good to know. I actually needed that question cleared up for a long time as an orderer of our comics. So um, (laughs) that's good to know. Guys, should we close this out with a little bit of Punisher conversation? Only if you call him Pun Pun. I'll call him Pun Pun. Hey, I had an awesome conversation a couple of weeks ago with somebody who I have known for nearly a decade in our comic store. And I don't get to see as often lately because I don't work on the day that they come in. But it was Jason Waite, a a guy who I dig a lot. And listen, Jason, you and I both know that you're a man who loves a Facebook message. And I don't usually deal with the Facebooks. I do the emails. So if you need to get Jeff, do info at thecomicsplace.com through email (coughs) because I don't check our Facebook messages. But Jason Waite came in. and it was just awesome to talk to Jason, who I hadn't really seen in quite a long time. They're a listener to the podcast and they asked a kind of a bunch of like podcast questions, but it was awesome because Jason's a fan of the Punisher as many, many people are. And I mentioned like having some frustration with the Punisher character because of the way that a group of people has kind of co-opted that iconography to mean a certain thing. And Jason just like super humbly came in and was like, I don't really, I didn't really mean no, like exactly what you meant by your frustrations with that. What, what was it that you meant? And I just feel like if more people handled things like that of just like, hey, I didn't know exactly what you meant by that. Can you explain it instead of being like, fuck you? Um, 
the world would be a better place. And I got to have a cool <laughs> conversation with Jason about just like, yeah, well, like I like the pun. I don't have any problem with the Punisher as a character, but right. there is a sect of people in the world who have sort of taken the iconography and the skull and the ideology of him and are like kind of promoting violence towards minorities and authoritarian rule uh, in, in, in the way of just sort of like the idea. It's not cool to me to think that people think that power lies within them and then they can then go out and exact revenge and stuff. I don't like that, mm-hmm. but I like the, the Punisher character. Marvel Comics isn't trying to make a character that supports that stuff. So I want to just like verbally lie that out there. Like the Punisher character is way different than the way that it's co-opted within the universe and the world. And like Pepe the that, Frog kind of. Yeah. And it's just, I, I don't know. I just, I like when people listen to our podcast and then are like, hey, can you explain this idea you said? Yeah. Because I talk on the fly a lot. So that, that helped me, Jason. So I appreciate that. So I'm um, just going to The Punisher, a character I've been, you know, love or hate on. Um, my chair keeps squeaking. Do you hear that? No. Good. Never mind. I'll ignore it. Um, issue three of this Punisher run, which I think is maybe the best Punisher run I've read and since the Greg Recker run that I keep trying to get Django to read. Oh, yeah. I got to read that. One day. I gotta Did you guys issues. both read this? Yeah. I, I read it. Did you like it? I really, really like the flashback stuff of young Frank kind of chickening out in a situation that older Frank would definitely not chicken out in and then kind of getting sneaky to, to exact his revenge um, and doing it all in a, uh, a Captain America mask was was awesome. I don't know that I really like what's going on with him and the hand, though. Where are you at, Roman? Um very similar place. I I like them. I mean, it's funny. I lo- I love the art in both of them, even and even the main story art, which surprises me because it's Finger kind of, it's kind of Greg Landish, but better. Yeah. Um. And I and I, yeah, I love the flashback. I love uh, Paul as the, the last page of that flashback. The smoke that's coming up from the street and how it oh, it's so good. forms a skull in front of him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great bit. Yeah. Great first, I did, at first I didn't like the idea of this series that um that he was he was had like ideas of violence and stuff even as a child i i I liked the previous wasn't it jason aaron in born that established that that's where the punisher was born and this This is is still jason aaron so it's almost like it's all his his garth ennis did born oh Oh, yeah you're sorry you're right right. okay Okay. yeah 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 great point so yeah first i didn't like that that this is going it was there in his childhood but the way there he's jason aaron's doing it in here is um it's very well done and I think Roman, it's interesting that the hand is manipulating Frank this way because once Frank finds out he's being manipulated, there's there's gonna be hell to pay. Roman, I I agree. I really like this book, but I don't really love the idea of celebrating sociopathy in a child. Mm-hmm. Like it seems like we're saying, like from a young point, you were you had this thing in you, and like it feels like we're celebrating it. Like we're saying, really? like from a well, not celebrating it, but like we're saying from a young age, you had this in. I, I like the idea that it came out of war. It, the madness of Vietnam yeah, brought this yeah. thing out of him. I don't necessarily like that, like the thing that has made him good has been there his entire life. And it's the same thing that made him want to murder people when he was a kid like that. That's kind of gross to me. Like I would yeah. like us to to pull that like. I don't want to encourage the idea that if you want to murder people when you're young, that maybe you'll be the punisher when you're older. Like that, that seems weird to me. And and for this to come out this week. Yeah. 
Like, I'm surprised we haven't seen online articles on Polygon or something about that. Hey, the first issue of Obi-Wan started with a school shooting. So, I mean, Darth Vader no, started like, with a school murdering, too. No, I'm just like saying, a, like, like a school lightsabering. This week's Obi-Wan oh, came yeah. out, and it, the first the first, first scene, scene is is, <clears throat> is a murder of a bunch of young Jedis in a temple. Like, we yeah. can't blame people for that. Like, what, yeah. what happened this week, these things were made months ago. Yeah. So, that, that, the way you put that, I was interesting. Um, about the punish because yeah i would kind of rather it's it's cool for this story but i would kind of rather by the end of i don't know if this is limited series or not but by the end of this storyline they say something about how actually this childhood flashbacks is part of the hands manipulation that this mother yeah superior, that's this, a great sure. point yeah i would love that that's, put it that's in a great somehow. read that does not feel like jason aaron to me but that would be a really cool <clears throat> cool thing i, I would the I would art is like john paul leon meets fornes in, yeah, the, the, in the very best way the the SZ stuff yeah yeah and i do like in this series how they've and i especially noticed it with this issue i'm I'm assuming it was in the previous two issues but in this series the punisher isn't isn't really using guns much he's switched to swords i like that too and and i do want to say like i think the inclusion of the fact that he's wearing a captain america mask while he's exacting these childhood violent mm-hmm. fantasies like is an attempt to say that he thinks that he's doing the right thing yeah and you know it's it's not just you know to backtrack on what i said earlier it's not just celebrating childhood violence and 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 shit like you know sociopathy but it's still a little bit weird but like if if we can wrap it in the guise of this person is wearing a captain america mask and thinks that they're doing what is right that's more relatable than somebody who's just like yeah i like to fucking kill like it seems like it's like the simplicity of the way kids have to think of things yeah, a good hero <laughs> would want you to die, so you need to die. Yeah, is like yeah. that's almost what makes you just childhood need to terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Kids, kids don't know where that line is necessarily. They they may have right and wrong figured out, but they don't have any of the nuance figured out. I think the difference in the art styles is really really interesting because the flashbacks are, like you said, Jean Paul Leon, almost Darwin Cook, um, mm-hmm. like very black, like Jorge Fornes, very stark coloring, uh, you know, stark dimensions, and then the main is Jesus Saez, who is like computer color gradients, like mm-hmm. you know, weird digital coloring, which I like in this. But I like the dichotomy of that. It is mm-hmm. very like one art style is very antithetical to the other. I like that. What I'm curious about is how do the two of you feel about Ares being the antagonist in this series right now? Well, go ahead, Roman. Oh, <laughs> um, thanks. I I don't know. I like Ares. I think it's a little odd because if the hand, well, they they worship the beast. Um, but if they're so into murder and death, you would think they would want to, I don't know, partner up with Ares. They would or like Ares. I mean, yeah. he's the god of war. He's the most successful murderer in history. Except for the Punisher. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but but more successful than the Punisher. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, argue. he's a god. I mean, yeah. he's the god of war. <laughs> so I think that's a little weird. So first of all, I got confused with Wonder Woman for a second there. Mm-hmm. And then also I got three A words for you. Okay. Ares antagonist ambivalent okay i'll give a fuck i don't care who the antagonist is in this like i don't know who i would find more or less interesting than aries so i guess i fall between the two of you which is that i just totally agree with roman which is like you know if they love murder they would love aries and that's where my problem begins which is i don't like the pantheon of gods existing in my marvel continuity and i've said that before like that's where it becomes hard for me which is like 
what is the difference between Ares and the Punisher? Like war Ares- versus murder, though, right? Well, yeah, but Punisher, like, okay, so if the hand, if the hand loves murder or the beast loves murder or death, like I would say the Punisher is essentially Ares. I think it's great that they brought Ares in because I think he's a great equivalent to draw to the Punisher. Mm-hmm. But I struggle <laughs> with the problem of where where is the hierarchy? Like, where right. is the hierarchy? Like, there's a god that's the god of war and the Punisher who is the best murderer ever. Okay. This is the fucking cosmic shit that I start falling off on. And again, <laughs> I've just said in the past, like, I don't really like when pantheons of gods, which I love and respect and love to read, get combined with, like, my comic book continuities because it's very hard for me to justify those two hierarchies together. But you Roman, dare where do take you Hercules that? away from Roman. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. <laughs> I would never want to, but I don't want to read or heard these stories ever. That's interesting because I love uh, the pantheons in comics, Marvel, DC, whatever. Um, Probably because that's the way I first encountered a lot of them as a child. And and yeah, I I do have to win Ares. I don't have this problem with other like Hercules, Marvel, DC, Hercules. But like you said, Django, with Ares, for some reason, I do have to think about for a second. Okay, this is Marvel Ares versus DC Ares. Because DC Ares is kind of a little scarier, actually, because he's always in shadow um but i gotta admit i like the the marvel use of the pantheons maybe a little better because they're like uses of zeus and and uh some of the greek gods have been really fun zeus and hercules particularly but Ares is interesting because he kind of needs humans right yeah especially like in the way most the of the gods has don't. used him lately like with siege he was a character <laughs> yeah. i and then what i think is interesting also i guess further is that um the De- devil's reign omega issue which i talk about my buckshot is the daredevils electra and daredevil are focusing on the hand now but we know that the hand is being run by punisher right now and so both of those sites are now geared on a similar thing and mm. th- this issue of the punisher ends with this advertisement for punisher war, war journal blitz and it says the hate monger knows that a banner cannon in the right pair of hands goes a long way now with the hand at its disposal frank castle is ready to smoke him out but not only has the hate monger going to some other bullshit but now it sounds like the punisher's thinking about the banner cannon like the bruce banner like Dude. there's just some punisher hand shit going into other continuities that i just i i need some clarity i need some clarity i don't uh, roman do you know banner cannon that i forget where it showed up in but that was that's showed up before in the last the banner well, cannon recent. has in the last recent. yeah in the right. last like eight months or so in something it's okay uh, it's a gun that utilizes i think uh gamma energy was it brought okay. back from old man logan's timeline or something like that maybe i don't remember i don't know, I I sure remember. I don't know. Yeah. hey we run a podcast but, but, and own a comic shop hey. but yeah there's that's so- pretty fucking obscure we're forgiven i forgive us all but yeah it's it's all leading up to i mean there's going to be some marvel event coming up i think that's a daredevil versus punisher i would daredevil think so. and, daredevil and electro versus punisher in the hand yeah. event is coming and and that's what i got was just like i'm feeling that but then it mentioned banner and hulk and i was like well fuck now there's just a lot of soups in the kitchen <laughs> and by chefs i mean soups and soups i mean chef can i I'm... really derail this just a little bit yeah but do you want to get scores before you do that oh yeah like do we sure. want to fully move on or do you want to internally move on i'd say a seven and a half i would say i wrote it down 8.5 i think I... it's really great i also gave it an 8.5 yeah. Yeah. I don't want to do like what we did to She Hulk, but these two Punisher ads in the back of this book pissed me oh, off. No. <laughs> I, d- 
Okay, okay. I think but, the, but. the advertisement of this cover, issue number three, of yeah. like the Punisher sitting there with the Captain America hat on in a throne of blood, I think that was an amazing cover. Great cover. Great, great cover, cover. Okay. great ad. Like okay. anything to do with that's great. Yeah. But this Punisher War Journal Blitz that you started reading, and yeah. then you said, and then some other bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of text in that advertisement. And it's all caps. And it's all bad, too. And it it's so overwrought and all caps. Yeah. And it just seems so lazy. And then turn the page. I just want to say, moving into just that ad, like that is not She-Hulk to me because there's not an appealing art piece to couple that. Like, No, no, no. I, I, just, I just don't want to get like seven episodes focused on this ad i just yeah, wanted yeah, to point yeah, out that okay. i thought that this ad was really i agree bad. i agree i agree turn the page i do it's the same fucking thing it's a lot of fucking all caps font the, you're right yeah it's a smaller font yeah, yeah but it's still an all caps font. It's, it is still the first one was six lines of font and this one is five lines of font. Brad castle is determined to use the warriors of the hand no nope, nope, sorry i'm not gonna all. let you do that i'm not gonna let you yeah. do that with our worst podcast. Yeah. Well, you got to have a next a next issue page. I do. Okay, so that's how I felt <laughs> the, with the She-Hulk thing, Roman. That's how main... I felt, which is like <laughs> I think that in She-Hulk again, I will defer to I think it worked perfectly. It was a flashy nouveau art style that said like this aesthetic is what this comic is. But so with worse want... art inside. No, oh, yeah, no one's as good as Jim Bartel. <laughs> so, okay, so here's my here's my hypothesis. This okay. is why what I why I think that they made those. Okay, I the, think the they listen to this podcast. These no, these you think they're listening to us? They listen I mean, to this okay. podcast. We know they're listening to us. Yeah. So they listen to this podcast. They do. They got our feedback. My they feedback did. specifically. They, specifically. They, I'm sorry, but I have missed. Clearly, they're responding egotism. to my specific. Feedback. I have missed that egotism at our store. I have needed that. <laughs> I've needed you. And they have I've swung needed you and you've been away so hard, so hard in the other direction. Well, they're but... like, okay, this picture that didn't really do it. Let's have some weapons and let's have some all caps. You don't know what it's like to hear your voice. Okay. <laughs> you don't know what it's like to hear your criticism and respond to that because picture all I can do shit. that makes me want to go a hundred degrees and like i want to make you happy okay marvel <laughs> wanted to make you happy and they were like oh no the femi awesome gorgeous jen bartell girl in a suit with just an art pinup isn't doing it let's do a generic image and five or six lines of text yep and yeah so full reversal again, just as bad in my opinion okay bud but you gotta give them some credit because listen it's hard to learn Django's language. It's it's taken me years. Okay, all right, Marvel. Listen to me. Listen to me here. Marvel, listen to Django. Hear me. Hear, hear me, David Gabriel. Dave. We want She-Hulk yeah. with a gun and a sword. Did you say re-want? We want. Okay, all of us. She-Hulk with a gun and a sword and some upper and lowercase letters about okay. a third of what you did on this. Ride that line and I'll apologize. Until then, you're dead to me. I have an email for David Gabriel uh, saved in my emails that I have to send him with photographic evidence of a, of a thing that he's done that ruins my home. He's ruined my home. Um, oh, is it the spines of the omnibuses? It is. He doesn't give a fuck. He needs to know. He doesn't know. give a fuck. Are other retailers complaining about it? 
every single group that I'm in complains about it on Facebook. Like it is the omnibus insane. collectors, the retailers. It is insane. DC is just as bad. Like it's they just none of them care. They don't care. It's insane. Okay. The only mind. solution is to release like they just did the Sandman's, where they put out three of them in three weeks, so they have the same designer working wow. on it. I can't deal with it to the point where we just need to we, we need we need to make Roman be Roman Roman. Please take the you're the driver. Get us out of here, Roman. Oh, I think he's muted. The only thing that made Blitz got me interested in was looking up googling the hate monger to find out who the hate monger is nowadays. Isn't he a Kirby person? Yeah, he showed up in Fantastic Four during yeah. Stan, Stan and Jack's run, and it, yeah. and it was revealed that the hate monger was Hitler. Hitler. He yeah, was Hitler, clone yeah. of Hitler. Oh, right? Wow! But then they killed him off. <clears throat> so I wonder who the hate monger is now. That's the only thing that this ad clone of Trump inspired me to to find out. Clone of Putin. Clone of and the next issue is no, like Hitler, Lord Deathstrike. Hitler. Who's Lord Deathstrike? There's a Lady Deathstrike. I don't know who Lord Deathstrike is. I gotta Google both of them. I love when Roman has to Google stuff. Google him in all caps, or it's not going to show up. Did we do our <laughs> Did we do our scores on that one? Did we? Yes. Uh, Punisher. Okay. Yeah. Eight point. Before I started shitting on it, I we we all did our scores. Well, that's and just wonderful. on the ads. Hey. It has been, we have never in the entire history of Django and Jeff running the comic shop gone a month with one of us gone. A month and a week? Really? No. Well, we went, yeah, yes. Right? Yes. If we combine them, yeah. Because <clears throat> you you left with COVID the day before, or two days before I got back. And I don't mean that to say I'm blaming Django for anything. Because, no, no, no. But when my dad died, I was gone for a month. That's a really that was a full that's month. Like, that's like Will Elmer email. Like, hey, I'm writing you an email. <laughs> also, do you remember all those kids that fucking died? Yeah, cool, dude. Super cool. Yeah, I remember when your dad died. Bud. Sorry, uh, June and July of 2019, I was gone for a month. Hey, for you other know how reasons. much time I took off when my dad died? <laughs> no less, time. <laughs> Okay, well, listen. Now get Off us out of here. Roman, get us out of here. I just want to uh, say. Thanks for listening, folks. You've been great. Do you it's been have a wonderful a night. Do you have a dad? No. Next, on, time, next time we got Jack Hanna from the whatever call it, zoo, and we've got some condors, and, and Lenny Bruce will come out and do a routine. It'll be great. See you All later. I my cars is, in my garage. It's been a long time since Django was back, and we've never felt it more than that. And Django, I'm so fucking glad you're back, buddy. And I know I'm gone now because I'm a COVID boy. Oh, you're almost um, back, buddy. I know. I'm almost back. I'll be back on Tuesday. The next day of work, I could have worked. I'll be you there. sound good. You look good. I feel it's good. It's all good. Yeah. yeah, it's all good. And you sound good and look good, too. Set um, a ton of Renekin. I'm just really fucking glad you're back, Jago. It's really nice, bud. My general anxiety is much lower knowing that you are here to handle things if I can't. I, so. I, I don't know why, because you clearly handle them very well while I'm gone. And uh, I could I leave just, for two months and, it, and you'd, you'd do great. Knowing that you can be there provides me a lot of <laughs> solace. Um, but we'll see you, you all. Scheduling. Yeah, 271 next week. We'll see you. Roman, listen, Roman, Django and Jeff suck, but we're all here for you. You've been at this store longer than anybody. We love you. As the spirit of the comics place, do you have anything you want to say to these folks while we head out of episode 270? We've got nothing but love for all of you. And we have nothing but love for all of Roman. We'll see you all next week. If you want to send a podcast email to Jeff, you can do it at Jeff at the That would be awesome. We would like it. If you are at this point in the podcast, that means that we've been here for like an hour and a half. You owe us the five minutes it would take to send us an email. All right. We did this. You do that. <laughs> I got an email from Rob Scafidio 
from my Ooh. COVID update. And he just said, I hope you're doing well. And he said this amazing, nice stuff. Rob's good Dude, video. Your, thank you. Your COVID update was great. Thank I you. was super glad to hear that. I just was missing people. Um, and I'm feeling better now, but really your voice is more important to us than you think. So send us an email at Jeff at the comicsplace.com. You can send us a voice recording at Jeff at the comicsplace.com. We'll be there. We'll be there because <laughs> I'll be there for you. And on that point, I'll see you next week for 271. See you next week. Who are you? Jeff. Who are you? Roman talks second now. Oh, do I got this? Okay. I'm Roman. I'm Django. And I was wondering. Oh, good. Oh, see, I thought we signed off. No, yeah, sorry. No, he went to New Orleans. Now he's been back. So like we have a season. We still do this, right? To every season, you, turn, you do this. Turn, we didn't do it while you were gone. Turn, there is what season? Turn, turn, what kind of accent do you think Gotham has? Yeah, right? because like Gotham that. is not. I New like York. that. I like that. Hey, oh no! Augustus Lowell sent us the best email ever. Motherfucker, forget that thing I said about Gotham. I got to do that when we <laughs> sign off. We didn't Sorry. sign off. Augustus sent us an email. I'm not going to do it right now, but we're going to do it next week. Augustus, I'm looking at you. Augustus did a great email. Fuck. I should have remembered. I leave for a month and you guys gain an Augustus. Yeah. And then you dude. fucking sold Twitter to Elon Musk. Like, <laughs> this is like. You like, don't. But you didn't know. Kind Augustus. of balances out. You don't know Augustus, but he's good. I've seen he's him every good. day I've worked. I like him. <laughs> yeah, like he's him amazing. Yeah, you know shit, you like him a lot. He's Augustus. Dude, he bought Batman and Judge Dredd comics. Yeah, we'll yeah. see you next week. Yeah.